Musi Maimane is running for president in a way that has never been done in South African politics before. It's brand new. It's kind of revolutionary. So, for everybody who's been saying, where's he been since 2019? Did he leave politics? What is he up to? Well, he's been setting up his political party, Bosa, or Build One South Africa, and they are contesting in 2024. And kind of insanely, just one month after starting this brand new show, The Issue, with Dan Corder, Musi's team approached us and said we'd love to have Musi be on your show for an interview. Any questions that you may have. And so we couldn't pass up that opportunity. And this is the exclusive, The Issue with Musi Maimane and Bosa. We're going to talk about Bosa, why its political structure is so different, so fresh, and why Musi Maimane believes that it is strong enough a strategy to carry a competitive campaign in the next polls. We're going to talk about coalitions, because if the ANC falls below 50% plus one, we want to know, would Musi Maimane's party listen if the ANC knocked on the door and said, do you want to be our minority coalition partner? And we're going to talk about all the other opposition parties and whether Maimane would be interested in going into coalition with them, even though it's fair to say he has some really frosty historic relations with more than a few. So let's quickly talk about Bosa's 10 big ideas. These are the pillars that they are selling to you to try and get you to vote for them. Number one, they want to put a job in every home. They want to stimulate the township economy through investment and national civilian service, whatever that is. Number two, they want to change the way schooling is done through a school voucher program. Three, they want to punish corruption super hard and they want to return stolen money to the South African bank account and maybe even create specialized corruption courts to deal with corruption cases. Number four, they want to give communities significant control over how their areas are policed. They want to decentralize policing and allow communities to be able to dictate and guide how policing is done in their areas based on the specific challenges that those communities face. Five, they want to do something called public-private community partnerships, which is basically a strategy for repairing and rebuilding South Africa's dilapidated infrastructure. Number six, they want to provide what they are calling healthcare, housing, and income assistance that empowers people. Seven, they want to give universal access to free Wi-Fi to all South Africans. Hello, Elon Musk. Eight, they want to create a fund called the Jobs and Justice Fund, which is designed to hand out money in such a way that helps poor people get from poverty into the middle class. Number nine, they want to keep the lights on. Everybody wants to keep the lights on. Join the club. They just want to fix ESCOM and make sure we all have electricity all the time. And 10, they want to change the way that elections are done and the way that we vote to put people in power by, in their words, make direct elections a new reality. So now you know what they're selling. Here's the exclusive with the leader of Bosa, a man who more than 3 million people voted for to be their president in the last general elections, Musi Maimane. Now, before I go any further, because I know fans of the show are going to say this exact thing. Would you like a beanie? I've got a Kaiser Chiefs colored one for you. I know you've got a Bosa hat on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you like it? You can oh, wear no, it for the interview. Cool. If I can wear it, yeah. Ooh, this is going to be a I'll big moment. Like a lot of people are going to take this very personally. <laughs> I heard about the beanie. <laughs> and I heard about what happens in beanies. <laughs> so, Musi, my money. Thank you so much. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'll, yes. tell you what. I'll cut you a deal. We'll trade, right? Oh, I have to be politically unaffiliated. What's about to happen? But I'll give you one that just says vote. Doesn't have any logo. It doesn't have anything. All it says is vote. I'll put it on. I'll put it it. on. (laughs) 
So we have a deal. That we'll swap. We'll swap. We'll swap. That's to be just very clear. It just says vote. Just says vote. It just says to people, go out, vote. I don't care. Yeah. Good. Perfect. Done deal. Done deal. Brilliant. Okay. Done deal. Build One South Africa is super interesting. And I think a lot of South Africans actually don't understand it because your model reminds me of Emmanuel Macron and France's model. So yeah. the idea being that we now have this wonderful moment for the first time in South African history where the democratic system has changed. Individuals can run for political positions, not just political parties. But you guys have gone a step further and you've essentially said, if you would like to take your independent position and apply to, to become a candidate under the Build One South Africa umbrella political party, and I, I mean, I was really impressed by the website because it, it's, it's not anybody can walk off the street, fill out a Facebook ad and become a bossa representative. You've got to have a thousand people signed up to support your candidacy. You've got to go through a quite rigorous testing structure, which basically shows that you stand for the same values as Build One Correct. South Africa, the Correct. same fundamental principles. That's really interesting. And it's never existed in South Africa before. Why do you think it will work? Yeah, because I think, firstly, politics has never been disrupted. And so we want to really disrupt it. And secondly, sitting in all of us, we, we all want to know the people we vote for. I, I think half of the reason people feel cheated by politicians because they feel like, dude, you showed up here, you promised us, you gave us food parcels, you did whatever. Great t-shirts. Great t-shirts. Oh, great t-shirts. Ace Machashule had great t-shirts yeah. at that court appearance. <laughs> and then you left. And then you left. Yeah, yeah. And then we wait for you for the next five years whilst, in fact, the lights are off. There. You know, all the sort of stuff, the sort of problems communities face up to. So one of the things that I've seen that citizens enjoy about the model is they go, okay, now we know that could be our guy. That's our guy. Yeah, because you validate the community yeah. leader who's got your trust already and their own track record. Correct. I hear you. So they say, that's okay. our guy. Secondly, why it will work is because it's been done in other industries. So if you think about Uber, to your point, the Uber driver, no one can just become an Uber driver. They have to go through rigorous testing by Uber. They represent their brand. And at the end of the day, Uber has a way of rating the driver as you do as the citizen. Yes. And so the lower your ratings are, the less competitive you become. Totally. Democracy is exactly the same. So let's bring it back to communities, give them the right to choose there and own the candidate. But let's also help them, right? Like you don't choose public leadership just on the basis of what it looks like or what that person does. You have to understand their ethics. You have to understand their values. So we kind of give a community language and an ability to engage the candidate. But we've also gone a step further. Not only do we train those people, we've written it into our constitution that if the community says, I don't like this candidate because he's no longer doing his job, they can trigger a way of being able to remove that. So my key question is, who's we? When I say we, I talk about Build One South Africa. But Build One South Africa, because you talk about we and the independents who sign up and get selected in their communities. Who's we? So we have a small board and then we have a leadership team um, that is representative of people from various provinces that are leaders. And we've really wanted to be nimble and easy. When I worked with Nobuntu Tlazo Webster, who's an unbelievable woman, powerful leader in her own right. Business Concord person. Clark, eh? yeah. yeah. And then we've got uh, Concord Clark, which is Muzulim uh, Rakivane. Yes. She's here in the Western Cape. We've got Kusta Jack, who is a business person and was deputy mayor in Abeja. So these are citizens and South Africans who've come together and said, let's do something that's never been done before. And they did. And they trusted me to lead the team. But... At the end of the day, we don't want to be the power. We want communities to be the power. So to your point, like I just finished a training now with um, 
31st candidates that we'll reveal, that we've revealed, and we're going across communities. Those guys all had to bring their thousand signatures, cool. which means the actual bosses are those guys. And we train them, help the people go, and we partner together. So there's been a lot of talk in the last few years about political party funding. Mm. Uh, Julius Malema recently uh, thanked, was it Glenn Mazzotti, for all of the unique voice and good work and whatever that was involved in. What is the funding model that keeps Borsa going? Sure, it's tough. Eh? I won't lie. Funding is always the, the hardest work in any political environment. Particularly, I think, because in this modern moment around the world, people are saying, but who's paying the politicians? Sure. Who are the lobby groups? Sure. Who are the silent funders who then get lecker deals, tenders and the sure. rest? Sure, sure. I'm comfortable enough to know that there have been a number of citizens who have come out themselves publicly and said, I'll, I'll give you money. Mm. Uh, but at the same time as that, we've just worked hard at saying, let communities contribute. I've just done a, a partnership model with a township spaza shop business that lets you go and pay your 20 bucks. Okay. And you could literally go put 20 bucks in and you get a token and all of that kind of stuff. Because this way, if you spread yourself around the country enough, you make sure that there isn't a central body that can be bought off by a few people. I hear you. You literally, if I was to try and capture the organization so as to capture the state, I hear you. I'm now stuck because all of those thousand people who have put their signatures and all of that, I can't just control all of them. They could literally withdraw their candidates and then I'll have no power to I capture see. the state. So, I see. So, so there's a safety mechanism built into that. And furthermore, if you say to me you want to adjudicate any tenders or anything like that, I'm grateful. I can sit here and say to anybody, Chief, if you can anywhere find evidence or even for yourself suggest that anyway I've been able to adjudicate a tender, favor mm. somebody, I will resign on the spot, on the day. It's no debate. I have genuinely, I can say it, you know, it's, sometimes it's like a qualification to say I've not stolen anyone's money. It's sad <laughs> that that's a qualification yes, in our absolutely. country. But the truth is I can say it um, proudly and know that anyone else who is in the political space must be able to mm. say that same statement if they're mm. going to run for the highest office. I think that there's a fundamental hopelessness in South Africa, which is very unnerving, mm. particularly for me as a young person, mm. um, because I think the kind of like rainbow fantasy that foreigners enjoy when they go to Cape Town or Kruger is so clearly not a lived reality anymore or never was, and no one can claim that. And there's this desperate sense that the ANC cannot be dislodged. To be clear, I think it's good that there are lots of political parties. I think it's good that unlike an American system where you've got to swallow the Democrats or the Republicans because you believe, agree with like 60% of them, sure. even if you hate the other 40% of sure. their positions because there's no one else, I think it's good that there's a diversification in South African politics. But coalitions suck, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> South Africans or political parties are not interested in doing them. And so when I think about 2024, a lot of people just say, I don't know who to vote for. And it's because I think of this sense that all politicians, like there's just no faith or yeah. belief in the system. What and do you say to that? Of course, I am, I'm very, very understanding of that. I can see it when you wake up in the morning and you think, even the day after elections, I'm still not confident that my lot is going to change or my destiny is going to change. Sure. And yet at the same time as that, I do worry like you that when I walk around, people kind of have 
are wanting the most dangerous place we could end up in as a country is where we disengage the democratic political system because the demand for change is always there. Mm. I prefer it to be through the ballot box. So what I would say in response to the issue is I I say to citizens we've been through this and been through worse. People forget that between 1990 and 1994 more people died during that period than in all of apartheid. And whilst for a young person who's sitting going but I wasn't there I want to say to them that but never lose your agency never lose your power when you go next year and actually every single period where we've all fell down young people led the mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. and I want to say to youth in this country you are in the majority we live in a continent where the median age is 23 which is cool secondly your vote counts as much as your mom's or your dad's and thirdly you can lead mm-hmm. and like us so young people do a fismos for march next year is the great march i hear you and so yes i know it may always we've got to bring about change because when we do that i'm convinced like we saw in all of history mm-hmm. new leaders come on board new energy we can write this country in the right direction and lastly let's also not assume that everything is stuffed in this country you know this is still by far one of the best countries to live in this is still in many ways a country where we can preserve our freedoms yeah. you and i can have this conversation no one is going to take us to jail mm-hmm. and more seriously i'm often in in shades when i go to this country I, you know you go and you see us host incredible world cups netball cricket rugby soccer and at the same time we can't keep the lights on there's this contradiction in south africa you look at some of the great i've met some unbelievable scientists all of those people who are inventing things and we led even during covid and at the same time as that sometimes you can go to a hospital and not get panado so so the contradictions sometimes are the things that keep us but let's not lose track mm. that whilst on one aspect there are things that are a little bit crazy and we don't accept those there's still some unbelievable things in this country and and we can do more of those things how are you going to get people to vote for you i want to talk to them i want to talk to them i want it's, it's it's like how are you going to get a girl to date you, <laughs> you no know, absolutely yeah, but you got you got to talk to people but more than anything you've got to show track record and this is another thing that i think helps our sober our case so There are a couple of things. One is I don't just talk we do, mm. right? So in the month of August, for example, and I've tried to do this as annually as possible, we try and support women business people. So that's why even today, soft plug, Good I'm wearing my <laughs> pink uh feldskun if I'm allowed to say that. Of course but you are. <laughs> um but it's I wear them because I support women entrepreneurs. Mm. So we often call out for people to say send us your best business proposals. We funded some, help them create jobs and we work so so we do. Okay. I'm in the process of trying to help the energy issue. Uh we've set up a couple of businesses that help particularly people who are looking for energy programs for us to be able to partner with them. We've got but uh even in the technology space i'm very passionate about ecds so even for my birthday which was on the 6th of june i asked all my friends don't give me presents give me money to fix ecd centers oh, cool. so we do all of that kind of stuff the reason for it is the position you occupy mm-hmm. cannot be above the purpose you exist for because then that way you are just position driven focus on the purpose which is to do something when i talk about building one south africa sure It's a great ideal. 
but I'm doing it, mm. right? I try and help people. Like we've got a, a venture capital fund that try and help startup businesses to say there are businesses in townships. Let's give them some money, train them, help them do stuff because they'll create jobs. So more than getting people to vote, I'm saying we're doing the stuff. So, so let's just not talk promises. Let's actually do the hard yards, show people that given our track record of non-corruption, given our delivery records on what we've been doing mm-hmm. since, let's go out and do more. But how do people find out? Because yeah, this is the thing that I always think about, right? Is that like to get elected, you can do good work, but you also need to get people to know that you're doing sure, the good work. And there are sure. many different strategies for doing so. So like my unfortunate kind of suspicion is that for a long time, the ANC will be hard to defeat because they've got an apartheid battle hardened and continually stimulated network of branches in every single community, every single organization all across the country. And no political party has got anything like that. Although your guys' model is super interesting because you rise up community leaders in different places. Democratic Alliance doesn't have enormous infrastructure, but they have some infrastructure, mainly in cities. The EFF has got some infrastructure in certain places, but the EFF does incredible shock provocateurship in a very intelligent way because, you know, some of the think pieces will be like, oh, Jacob's name is being hypocritical. He knows that he's saying what gets the attention. So they trade in relevance and then they get written about, the TV cameras rock up. And so the EFF seems like a credible thing. And that seems like something that a political party has to figure out a way of doing is to get attention from media, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think you guys can do to get yeah. that? And some of it is, 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 not, is also recognizing that traditional media, perhaps on a continuum, if you were running a campaign in the early 2000s, you'd say, I have, people must read about me on whatever newspapers. We're heading into a very tech-driven world. So, for example, we've engaged even some people about going, how do we go out and use different types of technology like WhatsApp, et cetera, et cetera. So building a digital ecosystem that engages the people we want to talk mm-hmm. to is important, right? Social media has become a huge difference. Like I've got more followers on Twitter in fact, I've got more followers on Instagram than people who read the business day. Yes, right. Exactly. So, 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 so if I want an unfiltered message to get to that audience, it's better for me to layer it on there. I mean, let's use a bad example of a good case, case study. Okay. Prime, Prime, the craze, the drink. Kids were talking about it. Mm-hmm. It was not on any TV advert. It mm-hmm. wasn't on anything else, yet it came through. Totally. Today, we can talk about Andrew Tate and mm-hmm. whoever he is. I don't know. I don't know the guy, but. The fact is that we can mention him and people are like, hey, there's something about that guy. Tells me how prolific digital communications has become. Mm -hmm. And I think the Macron you cited quite earlier divorced himself from conventional and traditional platforms and went out and built a digital infrastructure. I'm today engaged people who are saying, can we talk about the metaverse and think about how young people Mm -hmm. who are still going to vote in the future can engage your message on a different mm-hmm. platform. So, mm-hmm. so I'm hedging my bet in technologies of the future which are disruptive enough to communicate a message. And again, I don't want to minimize numbers, but I want to come back to saying, what will it take to win uh, an election next year? What does a win look like? That's what I, I was about to ask you. I don't think a win looks like getting 51% and of the 18 million people eventually ending up at 9 million mm-hmm. or whatever the case was to win. Mm-hmm. I actually think a win would be even to get the same 3 million voters to come on board Mm -hmm. and move away because that you change the dynamics. We are heading to coalitionville. As tough as it is, I think there's a safety built in coalitions. I don't think we should see it as this evil. I think we've seen Joburg and thought, 
Ah, I don't want. I don't want. I don't want any of that because that's crazy. It's one else. But there are certain <laughs> rules that have made that crazy. There are other coalitions that work. Yeah, I also just think there's a degree of like political maturing that is required. Correct. When there's a new thing in politics, people need to learn how to start using it. And we've had the messy toddler few years with coalitions all across certainly, the country. Certainly, I just think that like political parties need to learn that it's not a zero-sum game in a coalition where either you have an opportunity to rule a little bit, but like probably not very well because you're relying on many other self-interested parties, or you have the opportunity to just slam damage the reputation of another party by being like, you know, obstructionist and yeah. like trying to cause nonsense. I mean, I do think our system is written for coalitions, right? Mm, it was course. designed that way. Proportional representation says, whatever your stake is, get your say. Mm. But I also think that we have an executive system which we haven't used to its fullest effects. Once a president is elected, he actually ceases to become a member of parliament. And because our constitution was written with Mandela in mind, there are incredible powers given to the president. So my dream is mm -hmm. elections happen on the 7th or whatever of May early. You then get given two weeks to negotiate. In that transition... Hold that, on, just to be clear, we're saying the ANC gets sub-50. The ANC okay. gets sub-50. So you've got two weeks to put together a government which is a short time, but let's play with whatever rules are set for us. Mm -hmm. In that time, let's get the best cabinet of all the party players to come together. Let parliament convene. Let's agree on a plan that an independent body brought together by judges can look at that plan and say, we make it an order mm -hmm. and an agreement between the parties that is public. Thirdly, when parliament convenes, parliament gives you... What, you can only move a motion of no confidence once a year. Can't move it every week. Mm -hmm. You say to the, as part of the agreement, you cannot move it in the first year. Because that would be unfair. And also because once you remove a president through a motion of no confidence, the cabinet also has to go. So you don't want a revolving door of finance ministers, education ministers, security ministers, all of that. So you take away that rule so that any coalition knows that it has to agree for two years. Okay. And then in year three, if the coalition doesn't work, mm -hmm. so they can't get someone elected, in year three, you can dissolve parliament, All right. which means that you can then go back to the electorate. And I know that's the last of our, of our problems, but you'll have three years of stability, three years of making sure the plan works. Mm -hmm. And every state of the nation address, you'll have three in that time, has to just go, we agreed we'll build a thousand schools. How or are we'll we doing? Build how are we doing 100%. against that? And off you work on that. Okay. So my ideal world is to put that plan in, in, on the table and we can deliver against mm. it. Say the ANC gets 47 and Bossa gets three. Mm. And they come to you and they say, hey, would you like to be our single coalition partner? Do you take it? I say to them, here's the plan. You take the plan. That's you, interesting. You like, if, you, if, we get, if we get on the plan, mm. then I would have served the country by going, the plan involves fixing ESCOM. Mm -hmm. It involves fixing Transnet. It's about security, it's about education, mm. it's about healthcare. If we don't agree on those things, what's the point? But if the ANC essentially gets a horse trading buyer's market where there are five political parties, all with minimum 3%, mm. and they can pick their coalition partner, mm. can you afford to be that principled? Like, would you rather walk away because the best plan, in your view, is not what the ANC is interested in because they can go to another political party who will be more pliant mm -hmm. to them just mm -hmm. to get into power. Yeah, and they can do that. Okay. The greatest danger, because anytime you become a small part, a small player in a big coalition, 
is that you run the very significant risk, not only of being swallowed in, mm. but losing your entire identity. Totally, I mean, yeah. you can look at parties like Good and all of that. All uh, the SACP. All, like. all of those kinds <laughs> yeah, of things, yeah. right? So I am very cautious that it's not just principle for principle's sake. It's mm-hmm. the cost for citizens, particularly citizens who have voted for you. And I'm always telling people that if, even if I was speaking to the president of the ANC going into a coalition, you don't want 3%. Mm. Because... If you get a party that's even got 2% or 1%, they can sell those votes in the open market of Mm. corruption Mm. to try and increase their self-importance. It's Mm. dangerous. What I'm trying to do is actually build a 12%, which effectively is 2.2 million votes. Because if 17 million people vote on idols, 2.2 million is not a rocket science given technology and all of that. If you do that, that's a better margin to negotiate with than... Just 3% because you'll have a revolving door of Al-Jamaa. Build big so that you have a contrast between here's what the EFF wants to do, here's what Build One South Africa wants to do. To me, that's what this election is about. Mm. That's the choice, really. Mm. It doesn't matter. The big parties, mm. or relatively, they're going to be pulled by the small ones. I can promise you, you think so? that's what's going to happen because I've seen it in Germany. Okay. I've seen it even in democracies like that. Is that big parties fear because they are in decline. Totally. But that's what I wanted to ask you, because these kind of like rainbow coalition pacts that people love to like throw around, often with political parties that are fundamentally opposed, right? So the ACDP is actually not very happy with South Africa's constitution because of their interpretation of Christianity. Freedom Front Plus would hemorrhage votes if they went with the EFF. The DA probably would too. And so a lot of people think like none of these political parties want to work together at all. But much more than that, the big political parties, and we've seen this with the Democratic Alliance and the EFF to a degree, don't want the smaller parties to get stronger. I think like, it's hard to imagine building a credible opposition alliance amongst political parties, considering all these dynamics. Of course. But, and, and I want to say this, what's been, what's been the most working coalition in the last 30 years, or as we head into 30 years? Actually, the most working one has been the ANC, bizarrely. Yes. they a coalition of some sort. Yeah. You've got Kosatu. Correct. You've got the NC, you've Correct. got the SACP. They've all come together. That's true. You may not agree with them why they exist. Mm-hmm. You might say they exist to loot. So there's, <laughs> they get together and they must stick it out, right? Because, <laughs> you know, we've got to loot more. But either way, they've stuck together. And I think there's a, there are some lessons there that we can pick up. The first lesson that we can learn is that they've been able to put one brand on the ballot. That's true. And that's a debate that I think any coalition that's been pre-negotiated has to consider. Mm -hmm. The second is the leader or the president of the ANC is the internalization of the contradictions. I hear you. And by that, what I I mean is that person must be able to recognize that if the trade unions want above inflation increase and say, for example, the SACP wants uh, cabinet positions Mm. And say, for example, the body wants growth and business and all of that. Got to balance that it. leader has to figure out how to harmonize and respond to the that. middle path, right? Correct. Okay. And furthermore, they are then the face of all the organizations. They become yeah. the principal. They did it pre ninety four. Mandela was not the only one who fought for freedom. <laughs> exactly. uh, you had Ahmed Kathrada and many others who spent nearly comparable times governing Becky and so. But it was become the issue of bring back Nelson Mandela. So I think one of the things, because I promise you now, we can run a poll on this thing and ask people, 
How does the president become elected? People don't know the step-by-step mechanisms of that. What I would recommend that we do is if we set up something, we agree on something, let's agree also on the leadership and the presidential candidate. Because I think if we asked voters next year mm-hmm. to say, here's your choice, Stiernazen, Ramaphosa, Malema, Maimane, mm-hmm. whoever, mm-hmm. those are your choices. Then suddenly it sobers up because actually the executive has got incredible power. Totally. And then you could say to people, go vote in this interest because that's who you'll get as your president. And I worry that some of the configurations that have taken place have a subtle underpinning that goes, if I vote this way, I'll get that one as the president and I'm not sure I want that. Totally. Which will cancel out the actual principle of the coalition. I think you'd be hard pressed to find a leader of this opposition alliance who could comfortably, because South African people who are dissatisfied with the ANC then cattle shop between different political parties about who they'd support. And I would not be surprised, for example, if someone who chose to vote for you also were partially saying you're the best of the not Malema, Stiernazen, Mashaba, for example. Mm. And so for then, it would be very difficult for you to then say, we're going to pick whoever name as our unity consolidation candidate. To rally behind. What, but what I'm saying is if we were to spend time mm-hmm. doing that, that's what we've got to focus on okay. and learn the harsh lessons that say people follow people mm-hmm. and also the accountability threshold. You know, as tough as election results are and all of that, you as the leader have to respond to that. That's and um, at this point in time, we have this party kind of infrastructure and then we kind of go, okay, when... Things don't go right. Who is responsible? And we didn't vote for a lot of the people who the party pull up. Yeah, that's true. Eventually, somebody has to stand up publicly and go, I am responsible. Mm -hmm. Like ESCOM. ESCOM is a great example. Even President Ramaphosa was the chair of the interministerial committee designed to deal with ESCOM. As vice president. Today, (laughs) he's got five people responsible for ESCOM. It's a mess. got three ministers. (laughs) So he's got like the luxury of being able to go on one level... I can tell the country I don't believe this, but I can practice something else because he himself knows he's not accountable. Totally. So whereas what I'm suggesting is as a pathway forward, because to just put together this, uh, I always say to people like, you might be a lettuce, you might be like a green tomato mm-hmm. or tomato and I'd be feta and all of that. And then we say, <laughs> let's put it together as a Greek salad and hope people will like a Greek salad. 100%. It, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that. Whereas what I'm saying is, be principled. Let's all get into the room. Let's box each other. And I know, let's agree on a plan and say, this is the person, or mm-hmm. these are people who are responsible to delivering that plan. Here's what the cabinet will do. Like, once we've got that on paper, in writing, then we go tell the voters, that's how we get that achieved. What's the chances of that ever happening? I think it's probable. I think that... You think that all these different major political leaders, aside from you, with their own self-interested kind of positions and their own voter bases, would be comfortable doing that? I really think it's the pathway forward. And even if you may not get a single entity on the table, let's agree on the message. Okay. Because, because here's the danger. Like you, you used a very good example earlier on, and I've spoken to the leaders about it. I said to them, at the end of the day, it's not just your own selfish interests. It's the fact that in each political party is this idea that political leaders go to bed worried about the most selfish voter. So I use real examples. An IFP voter mm-hmm. would think, I want to preserve the Ngonyama Trust. But I know for a fact that maybe the DA may think that's a bad idea to have the Ngonyama Trust on land. That's true. So so that voter thinks, if I vote for this thing, I'll get a DA telling me, 
I don't have my Ngonyama trust anymore. Yeah. And there may be a disincentive to voting. Or the Freedom Front Plus might say, I want this language to be supreme. And then another voter might say, no, I actually think all 11 must be in universities or whatever the case might be. So all of these contradictions mm -hmm. exist. And that's why I'm saying we've got to get in the room. And at least, even if you say I'm not settled on this issue. You commit on the principles. I yeah. can say maybe it's not the most central issue going into an election. So I'm willing to park Ngonyama Trust. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to park language and Stellenbosch. I'm willing to park all of that. But here's what we will agree on. Here's what safety looks like. Here's how, you know, all of those things. So do you think that the uniting energy, no matter how it's dressed up, is let's get the ANC out of power? Yeah, but I think the uniting energy should also be around South Africa 2.0. Mm -hmm. Because what is the message to the ANC voter? Mm. Who, whether I like it or not, they still get a majority. Mm -hmm. They, of the 18 million who participate next year, a huge chunk of them would have been sympathetic to the ANC. Mm -hmm. We can't just tell them, our sole job is to remove your party. Yeah. We, we must be able to tell them, actually, I see a future for ANC voters. Mm -hmm. I, think about my parents. My parents are proud Sowetans. They voted in 94. They would have voted for the ANC. Like, I don't even debate the issue. And they would have, in the next election afterwards, until they had a loyalty to their son and thought they should change their vote. <laughs> but... <laughs> But even after all of that, yes, uh, you know, the political brain is highly emotion emotional. It connects with the neurons that say, will you protect mm -hmm. my dignity? Will you look at me as a black person and never remind me of my very brutal past? Mm -hmm. I think people want that. And they, mm -hmm. so we've got to give them a plan mm -hmm. that helps them be a part of what a post ANC dominant South Africa would look like. Mm -hmm that they can see themselves in. Okay. Because they may remain members of the ANC, but they need to vote for an alternative. So because who, who, they themselves are frustrated with what's going so on. So who needs to be in that, in this pact, in this new plan for it to be effective? I think uh, the UDF gives us a very good ex model. And I know young people might be wondering what that's about. I know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but let's bring, let's bring opposition parties, but let's not them only. Let's bring civic society. Let's bring... Okay. Let's bring public public servants also want to be part of a new mm -hmm. uh, plan going forward. So 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 that's who I would broaden it because mm -hmm. when you just leave it to the political party space, mm -hmm. it's uh, it's too narrow. And I think citizens are kind of themselves put off by politicians, mm -hmm. and I'm sympathetic to that. Bring on more people. There are voices. Uh, I just. You know, I have huge respect for people like Imtia Suleiman, who is Lots doing of people an want to vote for Gift of the Givers. You know, <laughs> doing an incredible job in the country. Yeah. But uh, whilst Imtiaz doesn't want to run for public office, but he has a voice about what this country must be. Yeah. Why don't? Why can't he contribute to the contribute to That's the conversation? Right. He may not end up in parliament or whatever, mm -hmm. but his ideas are good. Mm -hmm. well, what about business? You know, mm -hmm. we forget that uh, South Africa's GDP also is heavily reliant on, on the private sector. Where are business? When we're crafting solutions on national health insurance, I mean, there are more private security guards than there are police. So those people have an interest in the issue. So you. bring them on board. So to me, I want that consensus to happen before the end of the year. Okay, and good. hopefully going into an election, we okay. can come back to citizens and say, if you vote for these people, yes, 
this is the country you'll live in. Yes. If you vote, we know if we vote for the current, what mm-hmm. we'll end up with, because nothing's going to change. The lights will still yes. go off. The water will eventually be contaminated and you'll end up with different problems. So yeah. those are problems. So here's an alternative and here's what sure. it looks like. Sure. So uh, the Democratic Alliance is the largest opposition party. Yeah. And they now have this problem. Where up to date. Yeah, to date. There's no election before this comes out. Uh, (laughs) They're the largest political party and they have an interesting problem where I think they fundamentally don't want to work with you or Herman Mashaba because you two both left Hmm. under fire and brimstone. It's very Hmm. fair. Like I think your direct... Your direct quote when you left was, despite my best efforts, the Democratic Alliance is not a vehicle that can build a new South Africa for all. Mm. And Herman Mashaba left Mm. under very, very similar Mm. energies and has started Action SA. Mm. And so along with that is the fact that a lot of DA voters and maybe a lot of your voters and Herman's voters think that the EFF is is a huge threat Mm. to South Africa. Mm. So that, in terms of personal dynamics, makes it very hard for you guys to work together, Mm. I would suspect. Mm. And I from what I've seen of how the DA has responded to Action SA in Gauteng, it seems like their worst nightmare is for you or Mashaba to be successful hmm. because it's humiliating. It's like, it's like the people who left are being proven right. Do you really think? No, that- I mean, to be fair, the DA must get over themselves. Okay. I, I, I really think they must. I think that it was a grave mistake on their part to focus exclusively on being a minority party. Because they gave up trying to be an electable political party, right? Just become a minority party, focus on minorities. Mm. Um, I think it was a grave mistake. Mm -hmm. But either way, that's what we have. But they must get over themselves. We have a country to build. And if I woke up in the morning and I wanted to harp up on issues of the DA and my Mm -hmm. past then genuinely I shouldn't be in political spaces. I, I, I Literally, if the DA came and sat here in front of me and said, let's talk about how we can fix this country, I will talk to them in the same way I'll talk to the Freedom Front Plus. I will talk to them in the same way as I will the EFF or mm-hmm. any political formation in this country because, because South Africa is bigger than everybody. And I, mm. I, 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 often, often when I listen to the squabbles, this is the bit that pisses me off properly, mm. is that when I listen to the squabbles, I think to myself, you lot are busy debating uh, rubbish. Mm. You treated me like this. This is what you didn't reply to my SMS. <laughs> it's all rubbish, <laughs> given the fact that the lights are off and the citizens yeah. are going in 20. Hey, we've got cholera because water isn't working. It's hogwash. Mm-hmm. Let's all get over that. Mm-hmm. Because actually, if you're willing to lift uh, your head up a little bit, or others would say get it out of something else, but, um, <laughs> but if you're willing to do that, I think you will discover many economies, at least EU countries, mm-hmm. have an interesting problem. They've got negative birth rates, which means that they're aging. When I look at this continent, man, 1.2 billion people, young people, mm-hmm. you could come here and say, look, they don't have cell phones, they don't have all of that. But you could say, look, mm. they don't have cell phones, they don't have the opportunities immense. Mm. The question that all of us must answer as Africans, now mm. when I say Africans, I mean the whole continent, is that with 1.2 billion people, China faced the same prospect. They adopted their policies, but they knew one thing, which remains factually true, that we have to move 300 million people from poverty to the middle class or death rates will increase. I hear you. So let's fix for that. But here's the great news. There are trillions of US dollars that are 
investment capital that's looking for places to invest. Wouldn't it be awesome if South Africa could say, actually, we're going to focus on creating an Africa that can attract that investment and go so that, man, our biggest crisis beyond load chain and beyond that is that young people, two out of three, cannot find a job. Mm. So let's fix for that, move 300 million into the middle class. Then the story is different for Africa. We are, we, I say this and maybe others will ridicule me for it, but Africa will be, not that Africa will be saved as Nkosi Sikelela prays, but Africa will be the hope of the world. I, hear you. I know that. So that's the issue with Musi Maimane and Bosa. Thank you so much for listening. We deeply appreciate it. If you would like to see the video cut of this interview, you can head across to YouTube and search the issue with Dan Quarter. Please like, follow, and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And we'll be back next week with a brand new episode.